0: Choose you this day whom you will serve But that's for me and my house, me in my house, me and my house I said choose you this day whom you will serve But that's for me and my house, me in my house, me in my house Good morning Networld and thank you for tuning in we're continuing in our series titled The Family Bible Revolution, an end-time message for his generational blessing. We left off yesterday talking about the gospel message of repentance, and today we'll dig further into that. You see, John the Baptist preached it, Jesus preached it, Peter preached it, and Paul preached it. It's the gospel of repentance. John the Baptist in Matthew 3, 2-3 through said, Repent! for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. And speaking of Jesus, it says in Matthew four seventeen, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter, in Acts two thirty eight said to them, Repent, And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And Paul in Acts 17 30 he said truly these times of ignorance God overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And in Luke 15 it says likewise I say to you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Wow, the angels rejoicing in heaven. What's the message? It's summed up in these words, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in Isaiah 40, chapter 3, it's described as a highway for God. It's the prophetic word for John the Baptist. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, "The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God." Yes, it's the highway built by repentance. And John had an interesting revelation of it. He wrote in Revelation 3:19, "As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent." You see, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's the gospel. It's the universal rescue protocol for all. I like how Jesus said it in Mark one fifteen. It says, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. One thing we have yet to discuss is the last part of Mark twenty four fourteen, which says, And then the end will come. I'll read the whole verse. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Ooh, and then the end will come. Think about this. We're no longer lost. Why? Because someone told us the truth. Are we willing to pass the truth to someone else? Why should we? Well, because the end is coming. When Jesus preached the gospel, it was called the gospel of the kingdom. Matthew nine thirty five. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, Preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But in Matthew 24, 14, it's called this gospel of the kingdom. This transition shows the change from the ministry of Jesus to the post-resurrection ministry of the disciples. It's called the end of the age. Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen through twenty says, Go therefore. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Well, what end and what age is this referring to? The King James Version Bible Commentary says, The end refers to the end of the church age. Matthew Henry's concise commentary says, Our Lord foretells the preaching of the gospel in all the world. The end of the world shall not be till the gospel has done its work. The church age. Well, what's that? I found a good explanation at gotquestions.org. The question being, what is the church age? Where does the church age fit in biblical history? And their answer was very interesting. An age is a historical period of time or an era. Some historians divide human history into many epochs and name them according to their defining characteristics. Stone Age, Bronze Age, Iron Age, Middle Ages, Modern Age, Postmodern Age, etc. Biblical history, too, can be divided into different eras. When those divisions emphasize God's interaction with His creation, we call them dispensations. More broadly, biblical history can be divided into two periods— roughly following the division of the Old and New Testaments, the Age of the Law, and the Church Age. The Church Age is the period of time from Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, to the Rapture foretold in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. It is called the Church Age because it covers the period in which the Church is on the earth. It corresponds with the dispensation of grace. Jesus predicted the church age in Matthew sixteen eighteen when he said I will build my church. Jesus has kept his promise, and his church has now been growing for almost two thousand years. The church is composed of those individuals who have by faith accepted Christ Jesus as their Savior and Lord, referencing John 112 and Acts 931. Therefore, the church is people rather than denominations or buildings. It is the body of Christ of which he is the head, quoting Ephesians 1, 22-23. The Greek word ecclesia, translated church, means a called-out assembly. The church is universal in scope, but meets locally in smaller bodies. The church age comprises the entire dispensation of grace. The law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, referencing John one seventeen. For the first time in history, God actually indwells his creatures permanently and eternally. In other dispensations, the Holy Spirit was always present and always at work, but he would come upon people temporarily, such as in 1 Samuel 6.14. The church age is marked by the Holy Spirit's permanent indwelling of his people, quoting John 14.16. The Church Age will end when God's people are raptured out of the world and taken to be with the Lord, quoting 1 Corinthians 15:51 through 57. The rapture will be followed in heaven by the marriage supper of the Lamb, quoting Revelation 19:6 through 9, as the Church, the bride of Christ, receives her heavenly reward. Until then, the Church carries on in hope, exhorted to stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that's from 1 Corinthians 15:58. So, do we the church love the lost enough to tell them the gospel? Let's sum all this up. Mark 16:15. He said to them, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature." Luke 19:10, "For the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost." And when we put them together, we get, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Do we love the lost enough to tell them the gospel? I believe you agree with me. Yes, we do. Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. I'll say it again, the gospel of Christ is the universal rescue protocol for all. Now that we know what the first Family Bible Revolution essential is, being family worship, now that we know what to speak and teach, now that we know when and where family worship should take place, and now that we know who is responsible for its practice, let's move on to the next Family Bible Revolution essential, number two, and that is authority. But before we do, let's review the five essentials. Family worship, authority, appointed and anointed, generational, and church worship. You see, family worship is the focus of God's word being presented and discussed in the household on a regular basis. And that we've covered very well. Authority establishes responsibility, respect, and honor. Appointed and anointed speaks of calling, gifting, and the God-given ability to fulfill that call generational speaks of the strength and energy of the young and the wisdom and fortitude of the old together and finally church worship speaks of the importance of the sabbath and our gathering unto him in the beauty of holiness essential number two is authority and it establishes the responsibility along with respect and honor all of us need to learn how to be number two and sometimes we need to learn how to be number three king of the hill is not just a kid's game it's the nature of sin Jesus gave all precedence to the Father God. Concerning authority, Scott Brown writes in A Theology of Family, it is perhaps one of the most powerful forces in family life. I've seen remarkable transformations take place in families. They occur when a man does the simplest thing. He picks up the Bible and reads it to his family. This is transformational because the Word of God is powerful. Quoting Hebrews 4.12 and Psalm 19. When a man does this from the sincerity of his heart, it always changes his life. It also plants a flag of Christ's authority in the center of his home. Through the wellsprings of God's word and the Holy Spirit, the family is refreshed and reformed. The worship of God is the only hope for the restoration of individuals, families, churches, and ultimately, nations. What a good word from Scott Brown. There is another aspect we need to understand about authority. I call it biblical rank. In Ephesians 5.21, it says that we should be submitting to one another in the fear of God. You see, there's biblical rank in heaven and biblical rank on the earth. In heaven, it's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Within relationship of the Godhead, the highest rank is God the Father, Yes, there is the high rank of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. However, God the Father is the highest rank. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God, the Trinity, the Godhead. Actually, all three are of equal rank. However, they are at the same time three persons of the Godhead and have a very distinct relationship. The Son only speaks and does what the Father says. John eight twenty eight says then Jesus said to them when you lift up the son of man then you will know that I am he and I do nothing of myself but as my father taught me I speak these things well I sure would love to keep talking about this subject but our time is already up thank you for joining me on this netcast mark your calendar set your clock and tune in next time as we continue in establishing the family bible revolution and end time message for his generational blessing I call you blessed. You have been listening to the Choose You Netcast with Jim Langlois. If you have enjoyed this program, you can find out more about Jim Langlois Ministries on the Masters House website at tmhnow.org. That's tmhnow.org. On the media tab, you can listen to many more messages, subscribe to my daily devotional emails, and follow the link to my blog site.